We think about walking with God and trusting God. I have a chart here. We all have actions in our lives. Those actions spring from choices, but those choices for action come from our beliefs and our thinking. Scripture talks about, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 4 tells us to guard our heart. Romans 12, 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our choices concerning our beliefs and our thinking spring from our theology. You say, what's theology? Well, what you believe about God, whatever it may be. Our choices concerning theology depend upon revelation, what God has revealed. God has revealed himself through creation. God has revealed himself through Christ. God has revealed himself through scripture. And how we respond to God's revelation determines our belief about God, which influences our beliefs, our thinking, and that leads to actions. So sometimes we will say to kids, or ask them rather, why'd you do it? Well, if we sat down and thought, we probably could figure that out to some extent. We look at our nation sometimes and we say, why in the world do people do what they do? Why don't they understand this? Why don't they understand that? Well, the bottom line is, what's their belief, their thinking? What's their theology? And what have they done with the revelation that God has given So a choice concerning what you do with revelation leads to a belief about God. Even if you say there is no God, that's a belief about God. There is none. You made a choice, which leads to thinking, beliefs, and then ultimately to actions. Now, with that in mind, a couple questions, thought questions. How did the Lord work in the life of Israel? Did he reveal himself or did he explain himself? Did he teach Israel to defend him or to live in relationship with him as obedient people? Would the pagan nations around Israel be impressed with the explanations Israel gave or by their radical, different lifestyle. Let's take our Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 6. Looking at several Bible characters in Israel, Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, we find the account of the flood, along with chapter 7, 8. And then God makes a covenant with Noah in chapter 9. As we think about Noah, Noah's background appears on the wall. Adam and his line is traced. We have Adam. And the top number is how old the person was when he died. The bottom number is is how old they were when their son was born. 
So Adam was, died at 930. He was 130 when Seth was born. Seth died at 912. He was 105 when Enosh was born. Enosh died at 905. He was 90 when Kenan was born. Kenan was 910 when he died. Had Mahalali at age 70. Mahalali died at 895 and had a son, Jared, at 65. Jared died at 962. And he had a son at age 160 to Enoch. Enoch died at 365, gave birth, or his wife gave birth, to Methuselah when he was 65. Methuselah died at 969. He gave birth, or his wife gave birth to Lamech at 187. Lamech died at 777. His wife gave birth to Noah in 185. Noah died when he was 950. People lived much longer at that time. I think it again has to do with the flood or the flood which follows seemed to change how long people lived. But people are evil God clearly states that in chapter 6 and verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved he had made man on earth. And his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground. And beasts of the air, for I am grieved that I made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And we're not taking time, but if you trace the genealogy of Noah, it came from a fairly godly line. This is the account of Noah in verse 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath, breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark. You and your sons, and your wife, and your son's wives with you. You're to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them along with, or alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, two of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. 
You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Notice in verse 9, the end of the verse, he, Noah, walked with God. He had a pattern of life for some 500 years of walking with God. Obviously, he came to know God. Think about how long you've lived and how you've come, and come to know God. Noah's been at this a long time. But he walked with God. Would have known God, related to him. What that walk looked like, the text doesn't say. But the text clearly states in verses 13 through 21 what Noah was to do. Notice in verse 22, the text says Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He just obeyed. He had told Noah that he was going to destroy the earth. Noah was told what to do and he just obeyed. So apparently Noah was walking with God and God revealed himself through creation, through Noah walking with God. God again comes here and reveals himself to Noah. said, I'm going to destroy the earth. I want you to build an ark. And by the way, if you go to uh, Answers in Genesis, I think starting this summer, they have a ark full size that's going, you're going to be able to go through. So if you ever get a chance to go to Kentucky, uh, you know, to see that might be interesting But he built an ark. Based on what? God telling him what to do. Verse 1 of chapter 7, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep the various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded. Noah did all that the Lord commanded. Now, this is just a curiosity question. How in the world did Noah round up all those animals? Bill. I don't know. I think they just, you know, they, they, uh, they commanded and they followed, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Anyone else? JT. Pardon? 
God sent them. He said he would, and he did. So God is at work here. But again, notice, Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. There's a man who walked with God. 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. But obedient. God revealed himself. God said, here's what I want you to do. And he acted. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Here we find the account of Abram or Abraham's background. And there's a mistake here on the PowerPoint. That's, this is Abraham's background, not Noah's background, okay? <clears throat> we find here Abraham's background. You know, Noah had Shem and so on. And again, we have how old they lived and then how old they were when they had children. And it's interesting to note, There's a distinct change in age as far as how long they lived. There was not the age as before. We know that Abraham came from Ur or... um, yeah, or the Chaldeans, we know that that was not a godly place. They would have been idol worshipers. But look at what the text says. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. The text doesn't say what interaction there was between Abram and God beforehand. Just as the Lord had said to Abram. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now notice what the Lord said at the end of verse 1. Go to the land I will show you. So God says, Ray, I want you to travel. Where do you want me to go? I'll let you know. So God directed Abraham. Verse 4, so Abraham left as the Lord had told him. We don't have anything in the context that tells us how the Lord related to Abram beyond leave your country, your people, and giving him a promise. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled throughout the land as far as the site of the great tree of Marie and Shechem, and at 
that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. I notice the Lord appears. I'll give this off, or to your offspring, I'll give this land. And he builds an altar. He just revealed himself some more to Abram. From there he went on toward the hills of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai in the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called in the name of the Lord. And Abram set out and continued toward the Najib. And then we know there was a famine in the land. And we get over to chapter 15. In verse 1 it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have not given me no children. You've given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Now Abram's a thinking guy here. If I'm going to be a great nation, I've got to have offspring. And I don't have any offspring yet. So God, I'm childless. So I guess Eleazar of Damascus will inherit my estate. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So God says, uh, look at the stars. That's the way your offspring is going to be. What's the Lord doing? Revealing himself to Abram. And Abram believes. The Lord continues to reveal himself in verse 7. He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And we won't read the entire context, but we know that Abram cut animals in half. There would have been two altars. And Abram was in a deep sleep, and the Lord walked through those two between those two orders, for affirming his covenant with Abram. What I said I will do. What's God doing? He's revealing himself to Abram. Verse 17 says, When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Who was the smoking fire pot and the blazing torch? Obviously the Lord, because verse 18 says on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land from the river of Egypt and so on. We just find the Lord continues to reveal himself to Abram. We know that Abram had some doubts in chapter 16. He had a child by Hagar. Hagar. 
Then quite a few years pass. When Abram is 99 in chapter 17 and verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your member or numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. And then he goes on to explain the covenant, reaffirms a covenant that he is making. What's he doing? Just revealing himself, giving him a promise. So we go back to the drawing earlier. God revealed himself to Noah, to Abraham. We could look at Jacob and Joseph. We won't look at those, but we find that God revealed himself. He revealed himself later on to Moses. He revealed himself based upon the revelation They accepted what God said, accepted God's revelation. That resulted in beliefs and thinking and then action. So when you get to Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham is asked to offer his son Isaac, what does he do? He does it without question. He, in the past, had acted on revelation, developed a theology or a belief about God that God is to be trusted. So when God speaks, I respond. I don't ask him to explain himself or anything else. That results in thinking, beliefs, and then action. Let's draw a couple of conclusions as we wrap it up. This may be very simple. but yet very profound. The Lord revealed himself. The Lord revealed himself to Noah. The Lord revealed himself to Abraham. And as you read scripture repeatedly down through the pages of the Old Testament, he revealed himself. The Lord desired and pursued relationships with humans. As creator, he desired for the people to live as obedient, dependent creatures. See, what Noah did with the revelation from God resulted in action. What Abraham did with the revelation from God resulted in action. And if you go back to Cain, what Cain did with the revelation from God resulted in him killing his brother, Abel. All of us from Adam on receive revelation from God through creation, through Christ, through Scripture. How we respond to that revelation determines what we believe about God. 
that results in our thinking, which results in action. So you look at the whether it be the political scene or crime scene scene in our country, we say, why are we where we are as a country? Many people have rejected the revelation that God has given, which results in actions that are not godly. And that becomes a lifestyle. If you read anything about ISIS and some things that they have done, you think, how can they be so cruel and evil? Because of what they have done with the revelation of God. They have rejected that. They've developed a belief that I am God, or they follow a false God, which results in thinking, and then you have all kinds of evil actions. I'm in the process of reading a book about slavery in our own country, and I've read some other books about slavery in other countries, particularly the whole issue of sex slavery. And I read it, and I'm appalled. I think, how in the world can you treat another human the way you do? You know, break up families, steal a gal from her family, and... Take her into prostitution and you make kids from little up work for nothing. And they become property of the person they work for. It goes back to what has the person done with the revelation of God? They rejected the revelation of God. So this gal or this other human, depends on the color of skin, they're really not made in God's image. They're not even to be considered a person. They rejected God. They develop a belief about God. They have a theology. There is no God. What happens? They develop thinking and then actions. But it goes back to what has been done with the revelation that God has given. So the Lord desires a relationship with humans, but he wants that relationship to be one of obedient, dependent, on the part of his creatures. What is the sole command or responsibility for children? What is the responsibility that God has given to children? Obey their parents and the Lord, honor mom and dad, respect, you know. But children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Now that's a revelation from God. Now what a child does with that is going to set the course of their life. God doesn't say, now children, obey your parents if you understand. Children, obey your parents if you get a good explanation. Children, obey. What's God desire for children? Children to have an obedient, dependent relationship with their parents. 
so that that is developed with him. And as you children get older, obviously you give them reasons and so on. As they develop into 9, 10, 11, and so on, so that they can go into their teen years having some understanding of what an obedient, dependent lifestyle looks like, but also understanding why that's important. See, the Lord made covenants for good, healthy relationships. But those covenants were based upon what he revealed. And he wanted Noah to obey. He wanted Abraham to obey and be dependent. We are so quick sometimes (laughs) to want an explanation. When God says, I have revealed myself. I love you. I care for you. I made a covenant. Obey me. Be dependent. The Lord did not reason with or explain himself or defend himself in dealing with Israel. He just revealed himself. So the children of Israel get to the Red Sea. And Noah cries out. Noah, Moses. (laughs) Moses cries out. And God said, I'll reveal myself. He doesn't use those words, but what does he do? He parts the waters. This is a dare for you. Get down to the Susquehanna River. If you want to try it tomorrow, and part the waters and walk across on dry ground. No, we don't have that ability, but God does. He's revealing himself to Moses so that they would respond. Please understand that it is significant that God does not reveal or does not explain himself. He revealed himself. He longs for people to humbly obey. At the very core and foundation of walking with God, is to respond to his revelation through creation, through Christ, through scripture with a mindset of, I will obey. I'm dependent upon you. But I don't see the outcome, Lord. Well, we know him. And we know that he will work. One final statement. The Lord has done the same with Christ. Christ revealed God and himself. He called the twelve to follow him based on who he was and what they saw in his miracle signs. Revelation, not explanations. When Jesus called the twelve to follow him, to preach and to cast out demons and so on, 
He didn't give explanation. He had already revealed himself. Now he says, follow me. So when we invite on believers to follow Christ, we're inviting them to follow what has been revealed. When we encourage our children to obey, our grandchildren to obey, we're encouraging them to respond to God who has revealed himself. Questions or comments as we wrap it up? So when God reveals himself, yes, Lord. (laughs) I accept it. Doesn't make sense all the time, but I will respond to it. Obviously, we struggle. Noah was responsive to God. We come to Abraham, we know that he had a child by Hagar. Jacob was not the picture of always being on track. You go on in Israel's history, there were many failures. But God continued to reveal himself. The ultimate revelation was in Christ. Is Christ to be trusted? I think so. Because the Old Testament leads up to revealing Christ when he came. We say, earlier you said about Scripture being revelation. Scripture is part of Christ. Because the New Testament is a testimony of Christ. The writing of the last prophet. Christ being the last prophet. Again, we'll touch on some of that. Any comments, questions? So we pray. Father, as we look at the Old Testament, we only looked at two examples tonight. We find over and over again, you revealed yourself, you called people to respond to what you had revealed. May that enable us to be sensitive to you, Father, that even when we don't understand, we trust you, we respond to you. And help us also to understand the world in which we live that Much of what happens in our world, the evil that we see is because people have rejected your revelation. They developed a faulty belief about you, which results in in thinking, which yields actions. May we grow, Father, in just living by faith. And as we find, as we live by faith, we can look at the world around us and realize that there's so much evidence that you are to be trusted. And may that encourage us to trust you more and more. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.